For those of you who have not been with us in the last few weeks, um, we are in the middle of a series that Ben and I have entitled Roots, which is focusing on five, only five, of the classic spiritual disciplines. Already we have looked at the discipline of Sabbath keeping and the need for uh, attaining a rhythm between work and rest. Last week, Ben talked to you about uh, the need for uh, taking hold of a life habit of solitude and silence. And then today we are looking and zooming in on the discipline of prayer. I want to read just a portion of uh, a chapter in Paul's letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 12, and, and use this as a place for our focus and thoughts this morning in a long list of exhortations to the Christians in Rome and to us today through God's holy word. Paul would say this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and devoted to prayer. Those three commands there in verse 12 jump out at me, and we're going to focus on one of them today. But the three commands are these. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and Devoted to prayer. My, my simple and humanly impossible aim this morning in this message is to convince all of you, and I know that probably I will not succeed, but to convince all of you of the necessity of engaging in the spiritual life habit of prayer. Now, I would venture a guess that all of you believe in prayer, and most of you, if not all, have at one time or another in your life thus far, have prayed. In fact, in a national survey done by George Barna and his group, it found that 90% of those surveyed said that they pray several times a week. So, as we jump out of the chute this morning, let's agree on one thing, shall we? Prayer is a good thing. All in favor, say I. The eyes have it. We would not argue about the value and effectiveness of prayer. But while we would agree that prayer is a good thing and is valuable and effective resource in the life of a believer, many of us still don't engage in an effective prayer life. Many of us, unfortunately, are are fairly inconsistent and haphazard when it comes to prayer. I am convinced of this. You may not agree, but I'm convinced of this, that it is absolutely impossible for you to grow in this process of spiritual growth and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit within us to be transformed into the image and conformed to the image of Christ. It is absolutely impossible to do that without attaining the spiritual life habit of prayer. Try as you will to do that, 
I, I believe with all of my heart that you will struggle unless you get serious in becoming a praying individual. The average Christian spends only five minutes a day in prayer. Interestingly, in a survey that was done recently among pastors, the survey discovered that the average pastor spends, whereas the layperson spends five minutes a day, the average pastor spends only seven minutes a day in prayer. I wonder if that doesn't speak to the condition of many of our churches today. Our text today in Romans 12, in this long list of exhortations from the great apostle, among other things, of abhorring evil, clinging to good, giving preference to one another, he says that we are to rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation, and to be devoted to prayer. Now, your particular translation may say constant in prayer, or or uh, prayerful, as the NSAV says, or uh, uh, be faithful in prayer. In the original language in which the New Testament was written, in the Greek, the word, therefore, be devoted is the word proskar teruntes. Proskar teruntes. Proskar teruntes. Will you say that aloud with me? Proskar teruntes. Now, don't you feel intelligent? You'll be able to impress somebody, I'm sure, tomorrow in the workplace, around the water cooler. Say, look what I learned at church yesterday. Proskar teruntes simply means to devote yourself to, to be devoted to. If you look at Mark's Gospel, in Mark's chap- Mark chapter 3 and verse 9, Jesus uh, instructs His disciples to go and find a boat and make that boat ready. The word there is proskatere, related to proskaterontes. Uh, Jesus says to His disciples, make this boat ready, devote this boat to the purpose of taking me away from the crush of the crowd. So the disciples do just exactly as Jesus has ordered, and they secure a boat, and they dedicate that boat's purpose to taking Jesus away, to spare Him from the crowds. The boat is devoted to proskar teruntes. It was dedicated to the particular task of taking Jesus away. It was appointed for the task of taking Jesus away. Now, of course... Boats just sit there unless some, some human being comes along and maneuvers it out of port into the wide seas. But when this word proskar teruntes is applied to a person, a human being, it takes on a different flavor. When the word is applied to an individual, it means that the, the individual is dedicated not only by designation, but is also dedicated to in active participation. So that when I am proskar teruntes, devoted to prayer, it's not just mean that I have a head uh, uh, acknowledgement that prayer is a good thing and that I I ought to be dedicated to prayer, but when I am proskar teruntes to prayer, I'm actively engaged in. I have rolled up my sleeves and I'm getting dirty in the work of prayer. I am proskar teruntes to prayer. And you see a number of examples of this 
throughout Scripture, uh, primarily in the book of Acts. And I'm not going to take time to run down some of those, but it is amazing in the book of Acts. One example in, in particular in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 that talks about the life of the early church. And it says that they were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were proskartaruntes to the word, to fellowship, to, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. So Scripture considers prayer to be a fairly important priority in the life of a believer. And I hope you won't argue with that. But at this point in my message, I think it's fair for me to ask, and please don't answer out loud because I don't want you to be embarrassed, but answer this question. Are you a person who is proskartaruntes? Are you devoted to a life of prayer? Are you devoted to prayer? Are you making intentional, disciplined efforts to become a praying individual? One who is devoted to prayer. Now, when you're a person who's devoted to prayer, it doesn't mean that prayer is all you do. In the same way that I am devoted to my wife, Kathy, it, it, it doesn't mean, because I am devoted to my wife, it doesn't mean that, that all I do is hang out with her, though pleasant that would be. There are other parts of my life. But my devotion to my wife does affect every other part of my life. And in the same way, our devotion to prayer should affect every other aspect and component of our lives. So when we are devoted to prayer, it is something that is very significant. Being devoted to prayer, I think, is very different from and looks different from not being devoted to prayer. I think you can spot a person who is devoted to prayer a mile away. Uh, I, I know a number of these people. There are a number in this congregation. One in particular, you may, you may know her. She, this dear sister is not any longer here in fellowship with us in this church. She now has moved to Florida. But her name is Sylvia Garnett. Sylvia, a dear friend of mine and a prayer warrior, and I still rely on her prayers. I have learned so much about the life of prayer from Sylvia. Because every time Sylvia prays, you feel like she's unlocking the key to the door of the throne room and ushering you into the very presence of God. I've never had a time when I... I've prayed with Sylvia when I didn't feel like I'm in God's presence, speaking God, speaking to God face to face. She was a woman devoted to prayer, is devoted to prayer. Now, I think that most of you would agree that there are some kinds of praying that do not reflect being devoted to prayer. Praying in times of crisis would not be a pattern of devotion to prayer when things are bad, when times are tough. Praying only a, a table grace at mealtimes is a pattern, a good one, but it doesn't seem to me to rise to the standard of an individual who is devoted to prayer. A short, now I lay me down to sleep, the, the Lord, how does that go? I, you can, now I lay me down to sleep, the Lord, I pray. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You can see how often I've prayed that. You know, that kind of a prayer, a hit-and-miss kind of approach prayer, I mean, there's value to that. I'm not, I'm not demeaning it. 
But I, I think you would have to agree that it's not part of a life that is devoted to prayer. I, I, I help me, Lord, when you're looking for a vacant parking place is, is not a person who's devoted to prayer. Uh, uh, Jesus, take the wheel kind of prayer when your, your car's in a skid on black ice is not, uh, is not a person who's devoted to prayer. All of those are good, but I think you would all agree that Paul, when he's talking about a person who's proskartaruntes, devoted to prayer, that he's looking for something that rises to a different level and standard to be devoted to, actively participating in, engaged fully in a full, robust, vital life of prayer. Now, I know that there, there are many of you who struggle with this whole issue of prayer. And my aim this morning is not to induce more guilt. I don't want to lay more guilt on you. Not at all. But to inspire and to encourage you to try again. Some questions that you might ask about prayer fall under the category and answer the question, why pray? Other questions and obstacles might have to do with the question, how should I pray? I want to be upfront with you. I'm not going to answer the, the how question this morning, but I'm going to make a deal with you. I may regret making this deal, but I'm still going to do it. If you are seriously, honestly, not able to know how to get started in a life of prayer, I invite you to call me and we will get together and talk and I'll talk to you about what steps you need to begin to take. I'm glad that my administrative assistant, Ruth, is not here today because she probably would kill me if I said this. But I am so convinced that if you would make a serious attempt, an honest attempt at engaging in a life of prayer, it will transform and revolutionize your spiritual life. And it's fairly simple and straightforward, so I think that we can do it in a rather brief time. But I'm serious about it. If you don't know how, call me and I'll get some resources into your hand and I'll give you an outline and where to start and how to begin. So I'll brace myself tomorrow morning when the call's coming. But I, I want to I answer a couple of questions of, of why we should pray. Why we should pray. We pray, number one, because God is worthy to be sought. To me, that is the primary motivation for prayer. You know, unfortunately, so many of us have a different approach and a different motivation for prayer. It's kind of the, the logic goes like this. If I pray, God will be pleased. And if God is pleased, he will bless me. And if God will bless me, then he will give me what I want. We treat God like a divine vending machine. What's the orientation there? The orientation is me, 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 me. It's all about me. Focuses on I, me, what I want. I want you to understand that God, God wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. He wants you to experience the abundance of His life. He desires that you would lead a fruitful and blessed life. He wants to bless you. But this selfish orientation in prayer cannot be our primary motivation. We can't treat God like a vending machine. But instead we should pray. Because And we should seek after His face because He's worthy to be sought. And He's waiting for a group of individuals who will seek Him with all of their hearts. So we pray not to get an award from God. Not to win His approval. 
The motive for our praying is that he's worthy to be sought. And don't forget this, friends. He's not only worthy today to be sought, but he'll be worthy tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and the next decade if the Lord tarries. He will be worthy to be sought for all of eternity. Do you remember the words of David to his son Solomon when he wrote in First Chronicles, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted, not a half-hearted way, but wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. And here's the promise, that when you seek him that way, if you seek him, he will be found by you. Our job is to seek after him. God is waiting to be sought. If you seek Him, He will. That's the promise. He will be found by you. What a wonderful word and promise to those who earnestly seek after Him, who are diligently following hard after God with devotion. I pray because prayer is the means by which God has chosen to have intimacy with His children. It's that special communion with His children. Through prayer, I come to know Him more. Through prayer, when I seek Him with my whole heart, when I proskartaruntes, devote myself to this means which God has chosen to communicate with His chosen people, guess what? He rewards us by revealing more of Himself. And then we are continuing in that transformational process of becoming like his son. We pray because he's worthy to be sought. But secondly, we pray because the Bible teaches us to pray. And as obedient children of the Heavenly Father, we ought to do what the Father instructs. God's word says, be devoted to prayer. These are commands here in Romans 12.12. We are to be devoted to prayer. That's a command. Now, you can choose to ignore that if you like. But if you do, I can guarantee you, if you ignore that command as a believer, there will be a consequence to it. The primary consequence of ignoring that command to be devoted to prayer is that you will dry up and you will become uh, spiritually thirsty. Your soul will thirst as in a dry and weary land. You will have no peace. You will have no joy. There will be no sense of God's presence in your life. If you choose to be lackadaisical, about your life of prayer, you're not only going to be disobedient to the Word of God, and I say that again, not to heap more guilt on you or push you towards some kind of legalistic approach to prayer to appease your guilty conscience, but that this is the means by which God has communion with His children. Prayer should be as vital to us as breathing is to our human bodies. It should be so natural, it should be a part of of every aspect and facet of our life. Now, most of you know that a little over eight years ago, on my sabbatical period in New Mexico, I made a conscious and intentional decision to put behind me my rather prayerless life and existence and to become a person who was devoted, proscarteruntes, who was devoted to prayer. I started out in those early weeks and months uh, after my sabbatical period with great enthusiasm. My times with God were fresh and exciting and powerful. But I want to be honest with you because you may hit these walls as well. There came a time when my times of praying became a real chore. It was work. And it required discipline and focus 
and effort. Deciding to become proskartoruntes, devoted to prayer, means that you will face those times too. You will be tempted at times. If you make a commitment today to be devoted to prayer, I guarantee you that there will come times when you'll be tempted to quit, to give up in despair. I remember sometimes just crying out to the Lord, How long, O Lord, do I have to keep up this discipline? And I remember clearly the Lord speaking to me on one occasion. He said to me, Well, how long will you brush your teeth? How long will you take a shower? Eat your breakfast. Get dressed. I understood. It was as if the Lord was saying to me, why would you question the importance of these other life routines that, that you naturally go through in your daily living any more than you would question your commitment to the discipline of prayer? And I've settled that question. I've just decided that I'm going to be disciplined in this area and I'm going to become proskartoruntes, devoted to a life of prayer. You know, there are a lot of preachers who have this vision of when they die, they want to die preaching in the pulpit. You know, they, they want to preach the best sermon of their life and that kind of hellfire brimstone. You've probably heard these stories of these guys preaching up a storm, and then the next moment, thunk, they're dead. I, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. But I'll tell you what my goal is. I hope when I die that they find me on my knees in prayer. And when they put an epitaph on my tombstone, that it will say he was a man of prayer. I suppose there are other nice things that they could put on my tombstone. Good-looking guy. (laughs) Faithful pastor. What I really want is to be known as a man of prayer. And that doesn't come automatically. It requires strenuous discipline and focus and learning and humility and regularity and consistency. Prayer is not something, friends, that we do. Prayer is something that we are. We are a prayer to God. Our life should be a prayer to God. Our work should be a prayer unto the Lord. Our worship is a prayer unto God. We pray because that's what obedient children of the Heavenly Father do. We pray because He's worthy to be sought. Thirdly and finally, we pray because the needs are great and there's so much, I think, at stake. And because prayer makes a huge difference. As William Temple observed, he says, I love this so much. He says, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't. (laughs) Prayer makes a difference. Uh, Between services today, Ray Jones, a friend of mine, uh, who called me a number of months ago and told me that he and his family were planning to move to the Erie area. 
he called me and he said, Rick, I, I, I really, we feel God leading us to Erie. He said, uh, there's a headhunter in Erie that's trying uh, to get me a job at St. Vincent's and, and, or, and or Hammett. And uh, I said, well, I will join with you and your wife, Tammy, and your children in praying that God's will will be done. And he was here in service today. They're, they've moved to Erie. And he, he wrote it out on a note for me. And he said, I just want to tell you that prayer makes a difference. He said, the past two months have been a powerful witness to the power of prayer. He said, first of all, Hammett called me with a job, a job offer on a job that I never applied for. I didn't apply for this job, but it is my absolute dream job. If there's any job that I could pick out, this is the job that I would want. And they called me and offered me this job, and I never applied for it. Secondly, our house, which we've owned in Michigan, and we were so worried about having to sell in a realty market in Michigan. You know, Michigan's in tough shape these days. He said, our house in Michigan sold in 28 days on the market. In a horrible economy, that is unheard of. Thirdly, he said, my wife Tammy was looking for work. She's a dental hygienist, and she has looked everywhere in the Erie area for work. He said, my friend John McQueen was in to see Dr. Anderson, one of our FAC dentists, earlier this week, and told him that my wife Tammy was needing a job. Bob Anderson said he didn't have an opening for a hygienist. The very next morning, Dr. Anderson's dental hygienist came in and gave her two weeks' notice. (laughs) And Dr. Anderson called Ray's wife, Tammy, and offered her the job, and she accepted and begins, I think, on November the 10th. His final closing word was, Prayer makes a difference. It does make a difference. It makes a difference in your family. It makes a difference in the church. It makes a difference in the cause of world mission. It makes a difference in the culture at large. Friends, the needs are great around us. I think that we are living in a time that is unprecedented. Uh, there are situations that, uh, that I believe where heaven and hell are hanging in the balance between faith and unbelief, between life and death. We are living in a culture today here in America that is spiritually dark and very depressing. I am by nature an optimist. I, I prefer to see the glass as being half full rather than half empty. But I'm here to tell you that I'm very concerned about what I see happening in our society today. On the surface, you would think, that we are the most prosperous and technologically savvy society in the history of the world. And yet, as has been evidenced by the last couple of weeks, we are living in an extremely fragile time. Our global economy, not just the nation's economy, our global economy is in the toilet right now. Many of us have seen our retirement funds and our 401k programs and the rest tank in the past two weeks to the point which we don't even want to open the envelope to see last month's report. Economically, things are fairly bleak. In a spiritual sense, I think that things are even bleaker. And there's a lot of frenetic activity going on. Things, I believe, are growing darker and colder by the day, in some cases, by the moment. 
if on Friday afternoon between 3.30 and 4, you were turned into CNBC and watched the stock market as it's going, just praying that 4 o'clock would get here to close the closing bell so that we could have a weekend to rest from the madness that's going on on Wall Street. We live in a, in a very precarious time. Should we wring our hands in despair? Absolutely not. What should we do? We should lift our hands in prayer and pray for mercy and grace. We are coming up upon an election that I believe is one of the most critical in our time. And we need to pray for wisdom. I don't know how in the world I'm going to vote. I really don't. I am praying for wisdom. Prayer makes a difference. It did in the early church. Look at the early church. The disciples gathered in the upper room and they prayed. They focused their prayers with purpose. And the Holy Spirit came in fire and great power. They prayed on a street called Straight. And an apostle named Paul was raised up to take the gospel to the Gentile world. The early church prayed and the miraculous happened. They prayed and cities were stirred. They prayed and nations were moved. They prayed and empires were shaken. They prayed and a continent was evangelized for God. They prayed in one accord continually. And it was said of them, these men have turned the world upside down. Just think, my friends, what could happen if we would get a group of people, say just us in this room, if we would get serious about prayer, proskartaruntes, and we would be devoted to prayer. Just think what might happen. Just imagine the potential that could happen if every person in this church would get serious about being devoted to prayer. I believe that it would be nothing short of miraculous to see what God could do in His transforming power. Several years ago, I heard the story uh, firsthand at a prayer conference I attended in Arizona from Pastor Jackson Senyonga from the country of Uganda. I don't have time to go into the details, but Uganda was going down the tubes and there was a group of individuals clustered together in prayer and, and they prayed that the divine presence of God would fumigate their nation. And I want to tell you that things changed as a result of that. Political things changed. Social things changed. Uh, physical things like uh, what they were dealing with, with AIDS and hunger and prostitution and other things. They rededicated. Uh, Idi Amin had been this despotic dictator that had, had led in Uganda. And these people were praying that God would re- revive their nation. And, and Idi Amin was deposed and a new president was elected. And that new president and first lady rededicated the country of Uganda to the glory of God. And it made a change, a transformation took place. I'm telling you today that what America needs is not a community organizer. What we need are some prayer organizers in America that would call the church to prayer. And that we would get on our faces before God and say, Oh God, have mercy on us. And I believe, because it's promised in the book of Chronicles, I would believe that God would hear our prayer. Listen to what God says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, devoted to prayer, and turn from their wicked ways, 
then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's what we need. That's what America needs. That's what Canada needs. That's what Mexico needs. That's what England needs. That's what Scotland needs. I couldn't believe a couple of years ago when I was in Scotland, this place that was so critical in the in the Reformation, this place that was so critical in training up the great theologians of modern day. And yet, on every street corner in the towns in Scotland that I went to, churches were closed up. We are facing a critical time, friends. It is absolutely amazing to me. $700 billion has been spent on ministry in the U.S. in the last 15 years with no appreciable growth in the impact on the church. We're all grumbling about $700 billion being spent on bailing out Wall Street. We should be grumbling about $700 billion being spent in U.S. ministry and making no difference. During the last 10 years, the combined membership of all Protestant churches in America has decreased 9.5%, while the population of the U.S. has increased by 11.4%. We're not even keeping up with population growth. In recent years, half of all churches, half of all churches did not add one new member to their roles. 85% of churches are plateaued, or declining. Estimates tell us that as many as 2,700 churches every month, 2,700 churches in the U.S. alone hold their last service, close their doors, and put up the for sale sign. It happened here in Erie just a few weeks ago. Young people are leaving the church in droves. The divorce rate among Christians is not any different from that of non-Christians. The average congregant spends more time in one day watching television than they spend in an entire week in spiritual pursuit. And apart from the moving of God's Spirit on our land and in our homes and in our church, we're in dead water. We need to pray the theme of this week's 24-7 prayer. Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. Make me a man, Lord, whose proscatruuntes devoted to prayer. And if we do, God will hear our prayer and will heal our land. My encouragement to you this morning is this. You may already have a well-established pattern of prayer that keeps your relationship with God vital and full and alive. Fantastic. You may already have a, a practice, a discipline of prayer that yields the fruit of transformation in your life and in your way of living. If so, by all means, continue it. If, however, you do not have a commitment as a person who is proscatoruntes, devoted to prayer, I want to remind you that this is an essential spiritual discipline, and may I suggest to you that you make every effort to begin engaging in one. Get a fresh, new grip on prayer. It is absolutely essential for spiritual survival. We're going to 
pray, and then we're going to sing, and then we're going to go. I want to pray on your behalf, and then may I suggest that as we sing, several ways for you to respond this morning. I want you to respond to this word. Either you can ignore the word that's been spoken to us this morning and go merrily on your way. Or perhaps God has been speaking to your heart even this morning and saying, you know, you need to get a new grip on a life of prayer. And so maybe it would be meaningful for you to slip out from where you are and and kneel here. Maybe you would just, while we are singing, stand and in standing be saying to the Lord and to all of us gathered here that, I'm, I'm going to make a disciplined effort to become a person of prayer. Or perhaps the best way you can respond this morning is just by singing the words of the song that we sing with full heart and devotion and saying, Lord, I want to know you more. However you choose to respond is up to you. But I sure do hope that you would respond in some way to this word spoken to us today. Let's pray. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Forgive us, Lord, for our laxity and carelessness and prayerlessness. We pray, Lord, that by your Spirit you will lead us into fresh, new vistas of learning and growth that we might become praying women and men, young men and women, who would seek your face and see and experience the reality of your divine presence and that you would You would literally fumigate our lives with your divine presence. We might seek you and find you, that we might knock and the door be opened, that we might ask and receive. For the glory of your name, we pray. Amen. Amen.